Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Oh, yes, delivery. Gendouzi's header. Here's an opportunity, Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Dolberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. 201, 201, that's right, today we celebrate the number 201, whether it be 201 Teji Savigny nutmegs, 201 Marco Verratti yellow cards, 201 Frederic Antonetti blow-ups, 201 VAR red cards, 201 Nicola Palois tackles, 201 Gaetan Laborde diving headers, 201 Jonathan Close cutbacks, or marauding runs from Seiko Fofana, but of course... We're talking about 201 Paris Saint-Germain goals for Kylian Mbappe. Thank you, Kiki, for showing us the true value of this magical number. Bonjour, everyone. Welcome to Le Beaujeu, the official Ligue 1 podcast, all in English, for you to celebrate all things 201 this week. I'm Robbie Thompson, back in the hot seat after regular host Ian Holyman picked up another little niggling family commitment and is unavailable for today's recording. However, I am pleased to say I'm joined by two regulars who always lift for the big occasion on the Côte d'Azur. Luke Entwistle is here. Luke, how did you enjoy your weekend of Le Ballon Rond? Bonjour. Yes, happy to be on. Uh, it was uh, an interesting weekend, wasn't it? I mean, it felt as though uh, important action kind of uh, finished on Saturday and it feels as though the, uh, I don't know, we'll get into it a little bit later, but uh, the title challenge, it lasted about a week, maybe about six days, that, that title challenge, it felt as though it lasted. It, it was like well, it lasted, but uh, it feels like a distant memory now. Andy Scott is also with us. Andy, I know you were at the Parc des Princes. How did you experience the big night of, of Kiki's record for Paris Saint-Germain? Did you ever realise the number 201 would, would be associated with such fanfare? <laughs> Uh, good morning, Rob. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't expecting um, what what happened at the end after the game finished when when they had this this remarkable uh, presentation, you know, on 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 the pitch. The thing about that goal, which obviously we'll come to later, is it happened right at the end of the game. So we, so I I was writing a match report on the match, and and I was literally at the point of writing the paragraph saying, you know, about Kylian Mbappe not getting the record, and then and then he scores the goal, and and well, then it was just a, you know obviously rewriting. Conveniently, at the very end of the game, to to make it about that. So, it, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a fun night at the Parc des Princes, and um, and I mean, obviously, you know, a, a privilege, I suppose, to be there to see um to see what was a. I I don't want to play it up too much. I don't, I don't recall I don't recall Edinson Cavani <laughs> having having the same treatment when he became the club's all time top scorer. I don't recall him getting a trophy on the pitch. Maybe 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 my memory just doesn't go back that far. But nevertheless, you know, Kylian Mbappe, what player? Times have changed, Andy Scott. We're moving forward at a rate of knots. I don't remember there being much fanfare for Bernard Lacombe's 255 league on goals, maybe, or or even Pedro Pauletta's 109 for for Paris Saint-Germain. But I do have an interesting story about uh, Edinson Cavani's big number 200. So remind me, when we're talking about uh, Kiki and his trophy, and we will talk about that later on in the show. We are going to talk about Paris Saint-Germain's 4-2 win over Nantes. We're also going to talk about Marseille's near-faltering uh, league tilt after after a bad week, as Luke Entwistle just told us. You're listening 
to Le Bourgeois. Like, subscribe, follow us on all your podcast platforms. Get involved in the conversation on Twitter as well at Liga underscore ENG for English. There's the official Liga website, league1.com. And of course, you can catch all the video highlights as well on that website or listen to us and check out the highlights on the league's official YouTube channel as well. Well, we start our wrap-up of round 26, match day 26 of the Ligue 1 season, where Rennes were entertaining Olympic de Marseille in the final match of the round. It was earlier today, if you're uh, on this side of the world, if you're back in France, it was late last night, and Armel Tongi was calling all the action. And the ball rolling with Marseille. Can they react after what has been a very difficult week for Igor Tudor's men? Beaten 3-0 by Paris Saint-Germain last Sunday. And then knocked out of the Coupe de France by Annecy in midweek. A reaction is a must this evening. Truffaut finding Amin Guiri, who opens up his boots. Finds the crossbar. Truffaut into Guiri. It's a very central finish, but it had the power and the uh, swerve to cause Paolo Lopez problems. And that it did. Couldn't find the net, though. I mean, Guiri, Truffert is on his left. Carl Tokoekambi is on his right. And Carl Tokoekambi unable to finish. A brilliant chance for the Bretons. Lovely play from Guiri. Not sure it even took a touch on its way through. It's a left-footed stab by Tokoekambi. It was saved by uh, Paolo Lopez. Dimitri Payet among the substitutes won't be delivering this one. Taken quickly, Malinowski into Kolasinac at the back post. And almost against the run of play, it's Olympique de Marseille who go 1-0 up. Worked out wide for Ibrahim Salah. Can he deliver? Matelier looking at his watch, Salah's ball in. Tiat is back post, it's into the arms of Paul Lopez. And surely that's it now for Marseille. Well, Luke, you were just talking about the, the title race that uh, lasted all of six days. It looked like... It was dead and buried at halftime in this one last night, but Marseille did manage to get the goal. You'd probably say against the run of play, but it was a match that didn't really hit the heights because Rennes are, are faltering a little bit at the moment as well, aren't they? They had the few chances in, in the first half. Guiri, you know, hitting the crossbar. Probably should have done better with his chance and a couple of other half chances fallen their way. But yeah, ultimately quite an underwhelming match, I think. Even uh, given the, the stature of the two sides, uh, Marseille really, really needed a win after that awful, I mean, we've not had the chance to talk about it, but that awful Coupe de France exit at the hands of Annecy after having beaten Rennes and having, have to, and having beaten PSG as well. So that Would you even call that? I wouldn't necessarily call them a hurdle. They've got the hurdles and they've, they've tripped up on the home straight kind of thing. So a really necessary win and I think that one where you can look at Igor Tudor and say he really got that right there's a couple of interesting calls I'd say in that in that Marseille side in terms of his his lineup choice but all of them it seems you know warranted in the end and in the second half they seem to just kind of kill the game a little bit control it took their one chance which of course wasn't without its controversy um personally uh, is I, I was for, you know, the referee not trying to exert too much control of the game, let them take the, the free kick quick. So I was happy that he let that go. One big chance, scored it. Very efficient. Andy, 
Luke brings up a very good point, which was that after such a stunning week for Marseille two weeks ago, this one came sort of apart at the seams. Yeah. And you were there in midweek yeah. for that for that game against Annecy. There was a huge crowd there. It was midweek football, 65,000. They thought they were kings of the world. And all of a sudden, when, and you know, they really should have been. This was, we know they haven't won a trophy in 11 years or or is it longer now? No, about that. And, and Olympic Lyonnais is still there. It was going to be like a throwback to, to a previous Qatar era of French football with Lyon, you know, possibly taking on Marseille in the final of, of the Coupe de France. How did you see that? That strange night because they were in front and looked like they were cruising as well. Yeah, they were. They were cruising, and the the um, I think I think possibly the problem was that they thought they were a bit too comfortable. You know, one nil up at half time, it could have been more. Um, and the the, the 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 feeling in the stadium, the feeling I had was that there was, and I think I said this in commentary. You know, that you have to wonder how on earth and the sea could possibly have got back into the game. You know, and then and then suddenly they, they, by the hour mark they were two one up, and I think everybody was just completely shell shocked. Nobody had seen this coming. And, you know, when you think back to the previous round of the Cup, um, I was at the game against Paris Saint-Germain in the previous round and my hotel was on the Vieux-Port in Marseille. And when I got back to my hotel, they were literally setting off fireworks on the Vieux-Port celebrating that win. You know, there were, there were cars uh, driving around the port, um, you know, beeping their horns. There was, there was police there trying to keep, uh, trying to keep things calm. Uh, now, obviously, I'm not saying I think it's fine to celebrate a win against your great rivals, but you are kind of setting yourself up for a fall when you do that in the cup and then the next round you go out. So, you know, a, a disaster, an absolute disaster for Marseille. Everything about that that cup game, you know, they got the penalty with five minutes to go. The stadium went mad. They thought, this is us saved. Then they missed the penalty. Then they scored the 96th minute with a goal from Francois Regis Moog, a player that probably of the 65,000 people in the stadium 63,000 had never heard of before the game kicked off. Um, and, th- and then they go to penalties and they still lose. So humiliating, embarrassing. Um, you know, the, the front page of the local newspaper, La Provence, the next day was, you know, une honte. Uh, La honte, I think, was the headline. And um, that kind of sums it up. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. Um, and, and to pick themselves up to go to Rennes and win is, is actually a really impressive result because that is... A very difficult place to go. Ren had won 11 out of 13 home games this season prior to that match. I know Ren have their problems, but great result for Marseille. I'm not suggesting that the title race is, is on again, but I think it's, it's, it's a big win for them in the push for a top three place. But yeah, I mean, to, to go out of the cup, I think is, is a huge setback because let's not forget, Marseille have a great cup history. They've won it 10 times. Only PSG have won it more times, and that's only because of what they've done in the last decade, really. Um, dominating that particular competition. But Marseille hadn't won it since 1989, and they still haven't won the Cup since 1989. So a huge missed opportunity for them. Uh, I thought it might have taken them a little bit longer to get over it. So to go there, and uh, go to Rennes and, and win that game, I think that shows great character. And really, I think he's representative of the real Marseille because that performance against Ancy midweek, I would say, was not the real Marseille. I think that was completely unexpected. Well, Marseille are now eight points behind Paris Saint-Germain. That... That perhaps is a, a one bridge too far for them in the league. But they are now four points ahead of Monaco. And we're going to have a chat about Monaco a little bit later as well. Because as you say, getting those big wins away to Rennes is not necessarily to keep you in the hunt for the title. But to secure that second place and automatic qualification for the Champions League. Luke, talking about European football next season. It looks now with Marseille out as though the cup will go to a side or could very well go to a side. 
that finishes outside the top five, which means that sixth place will not be a European qualification this season. So Wren, for the moment, are holding on, but, but the likes of Nice and Lille, and dare we say it, Reims, I don't know if we should, is, if that, is that really possible? But they are coming back strong. Can Wren looking over their shoulder now? It's five points above them to Lens. I'm not sure they're still in that discussion. And now it's only one point back to Lille. I mean, they should definitely be looking over their shoulder at this point. Um, I think on the evidence of what Lyon have displayed over a number of months, if not years, I, I don't think you can count on them to put together a consistent run to, to really make a, a push for that sixth, well, top sixth place, which would then open up that sixth place again for for European qualification. So, yeah, Ren definitely looking over their shoulder. I like what Lille are proposing currently. I think under Fonseca, they're looking better week on week. Um, so I think that they're a proper danger now. You know, I kind of ruled them out as as a real challenger for that fifth place, but I, I think that they're right in it. Uh, nice faltering against a, a relegation struck inside, but still unbeaten under Degas. They're there thereabouts, and they've got some they've got some great um, you know individual talent in that squad right through their spine. And then Reims, uh, I mean that's that's the incredible story of the season, arguably unbeaten since September, uh, and it's. It doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. So I think you definitely have to count them as part of this race. So something really interesting to keep our eyes out for in these uh, coming weeks uh, to see who will get that final place or two. Because I, I think that Lance are also, despite the fact they've got a little bit of a buffer, um, I think they're probably looking over their shoulder a little bit as well. So maybe two places up for grabs between five, six teams potentially. So it could be, it could get quite interesting. Well, there's 12 matches left. Andy, a final word on this Rennes v Marseille. Uh, when they first came around to meet this season, we were calling it the Steve Mondondico. Um, he was injured that day and missed out on his first ever match. <laughs> you don't remember? <laughs> well, here he finally got to play against Marseille for the first time in his career after being such a loyal servant. Um, it didn't work out for him, but, but a special occasion all the same, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think so. I mean, Steve Mondanda is getting on to be 38 later this month. Um, he's had a fantastic career. Uh, probably a bit strange for him to come up against the club he represented for what was it, about 14 years, 15 years. Um, and, you know, but I, I think Steve Mondanda is a wonderful professional. And, he, you know, the, the, the overriding feeling for him this morning will be disappointment that Ren didn't get a result because I think he will be really, really desperate to be playing in in Europe next season with, with that Ren team. You know, I know he's coming to the end of his career. He recently retired from the, the national team, but I think he, he'll be hoping to stay playing at a high level for uh, for for a while yet. And, and you know, he'll be determined to to, to help Ren get into Europe. And he's, in general, he's been an excellent signing for them. But um, what we're seeing with Ren is is what happens when you lose one or two really big players and, and, and you struggle to, to bounce back from that. You know, we say it every week, Martin Terrier is not there and Ren are not as good. And that's... That's a problem for them because there's a lot of competition around them for, for these European places and they are hanging on at the moment to, to a place in the top five. Other sides that are eyeing off uh, enviously those higher places. Let's have a look at some other results. Lens versus Lille, the Derby du Nord. And it finished 1-1. Both sides were hoping for more. They could have secured or closed the gap in those top five race. But uh, Jose Font... Scored an own goal, the 39-year-old defender, and Jonathan David levelled it up, taking his tally to 16 for the season, the Canadian goal machine. A passionate evening, as it always is, that one at Felix Bollard. 
Elsewhere, Stade de Reims defeated Ajaxio by a goal to nil. Stunning late strike from their Swedish substitute, Jens Kajust, in the final minute of the match, the final seconds. They are now 18 undefeated. And uh, side note on this one, and I know Andy and, and Luke, you weren't commentating this match, but did you see the goal and did you see the celebration? Because he did the old, what happened? Did I just do that? Statue type celebration have you i haven't seen a a player keeping it that cool in the 95th minute just about ever what was that all about i didn't see the I celebration did, i did I, see I, it I, yeah. I just 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 saw the goal i just saw the goal but um fa- fabulous goal fabulous goal by jens kajusta good player he is he came off the bench luke what did you make of that I don't know which side to fall on i do kind of quite like that nonchalant kind of celebration like i do this all the time kind of thing yeah I'm very very for it especially in the 95th minute when all your instincts are telling you to go berserk and, and he kind of just, yeah, whatever. Exactly. He, he, all, all he really did was, was confirm that Kasper Dolberg is not alone and that ice runs through the veins of, of Scandinavian footballers. I think that was the, the, the takeaway that we, all, that we all took from this. It was interesting. It went to VAR, the, uh, the decision. And even then, he didn't, he didn't react at all. The goal got given. He just looked to the bench and winked. And then, as the final whistle goes, he finally clenched his fist and looked like he was going to celebrate a little bit. Anyway, it was another great win for Rance, who are right there now in the mix. They are on an incredible run. They're up to eighth. They've overtaken Lorient, for example, who were sitting second uh, in the midway point of the season. They're above Olympic Lyonnais as well. They are on the charge. Montpellier, they are the new Jekyll and Hyde side of this competition. They are up one week and down the other. They have Derzak back, and they are 5-0 winners over an Angers side that are really struggling now. Angers probably can't wait for the end of the season. There were two goals from Savigny, who got them started from the penalty spot. Um, Eli Wai scored a, one of the strangest goals you will see. It ended up being a fantastic goal, but basically the ball was cleared up the sideline and rolled along the the, the the touch line of the pitch in front of both benches with no players coming to get it, all thinking that it was going to go out for a throw. In the end, Ellie Way picked the ball up on the halfway line, ran the length of the field and scored a great goal. Will that be enough for Montpellier to uh, save their skin? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I would say so. I think they're in the, the ventre mou now, which um, I think, given how it was at the start of the season, is quite impressive. You know, De Zacharoen's really turned that around quite quickly, so positive. Absolutely, and a fantastic use of a French football term there, Luke, because we, uh, we do love that. And le ventre mou, the, uh, the soft stomach of the Ligue 1 table. It's a, it's a fantastic Frenchism. Next up, we're going to have a chat about Troyes versus Monaco. Um, Troyes are not in the soft stomach of the Ligue 1 standings, and neither are Monaco. They are at opposite ends of that uh, digestive tract, and unfortunately for Troyes, it doesn't smell good. And here's what happened. Promising this for Troyes. Rami finds Kuwami, drives forward, beats a couple. Kuwami, that's sensational! Troyes have the leads. At the Stade de Lob, and it's a piece of individual brilliance there. Roaming Kuwami. That was cleared from Kyle Henrique. Adel Rami picks it back up. It's just a simple ball into Kuwami, and he does the rest. Through Golovin and Fofana too easily. What a strike. 
on the left foot. And Twa have a precious lead. Bolo, chance, and Bolo cut back for Bignedda. And Monaco do find. And Monaco grab an equaliser. It's Mbolo's cut back. A good block initially. But Wissam Benyeda. Monaco's top goal scorer. At it again. What looked like a famous double for Twa. Now in jeopardy. Can they find a winner? Golovin finds Benyeda. Offside. I think it's initially given against Golovin. Stephanie Frappard listening to the video assistant referee. This could be huge for both sides in their season. And the goal's been given. We Sam Ben Yedder at the double. And Monaco, they've rescued this game late on here. You can see what it means to them. Led by their captain Ben Yedder. Monaco, they've turned this one around. Five minutes added on. Here's Conte's ball. Ugbo! What a huge goal that could be for Twa. E.K. Ugbo. And from the depths of despair, looking like this game had got away from them. Twa finds a late equaliser. And that could be massive in their hunt for survival in Ligue 1. What a cross it is from Abdu Conte. And Ugbo with the bullet header. Nubel gets a touch, but he can't keep that one out. Monaco came from behind to Leeds. And they could have thrown it away. What an end to this game. was almost a return to winning form for them under their Australian coach, Patrick Kisnorbo. It was an incredible seesawing battle. Twa were up, then Wissam Ben Yedda um, took his tally to 16 goals. The captain, it's been an up and down season for Wissam Ben Yedda as well. He got two. There was some controversy as well about a potential offside call. And it was another last-minute goal, this time by Ugbo with a fantastic header. Luke, we'll start with you as our man on the on the Côte d'Azur. Toi weren't expected to put up this kind of resistance, were they? Uh, no, I mean, Monaco are in a, a rough patch of sorts. I mean, last season it was the rough patch was before March and from March onwards it was absolutely brilliant. This time it seems as though they're hitting their rough patch at such a critical part of the season, which is, is slightly worrying, certainly for, for Philippe Clement. Uh, obviously, that's a loss against Bayer Leverkusen, which dumps them out of the Europa League. It's a loss against Nice, and that was a resounding defeat. And, um, you know, this draw is, is very underwhelming. They had the chances to really put this game beyond Croix in the first half, didn't. And, uh, yeah, just, just quite worrying, really. I mean, there's plenty of goals still on this side, but they're just leaking goals at the other side of the pitch. And I think that Alexander Nubel, who's, who's lone ends at the end of the season I, I i know there was a desire at some point to to make that permanent but he's just not proven decisive in key moments in matches i mean that that late ugbo header you'd expect a top quality goalkeeper to keep that out and and make a difference and and for so many weeks now he, he's not really making a difference in that monaco goal so potentially a change coming there and yeah just just slightly worrying signs in, in the in the defense where there are quite a few absentees it needs to be pointed out as well so uh they need to quickly get back to winning ways uh even though as i said you know lost the the wheels seem to be coming off there as well so yeah they should still have that third place wrapped up well there is everything to play for apart from maybe first place but but for the european places and also for relegation andy it's a it's a very good point for Troyes, probably one they weren't necessarily banking on when you see how recent weeks 
have gone. They're only two points from safety now, considering how the last sort of two and a half months have gone. Is this a, a chance, something to build on, some way of trying to claw their way back out? I mean, you're two points from safety, but they've taken two points in the last 27 available. So, um, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know how easily they're going to sort of start racking up wins. It's, be, it's been not the best start for Patrick Kisnorbo. I think, I think you and I would both like to see him do well. Patrick Kisnorbo, obviously, an Aussie. He played in Scotland for Hearts, um, and um, and now here he is managing in 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 Ligue 1. But I I'm not sure that he's one. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to keep Twy in the division. Two, uh, I'm not convinced that Kisnorba will be there all that long because that's just the nature of it, and it's been a very difficult start for him. I mean, they they got rid of the previous coach um, because they weren't happy with the way results were going, but there, there has not been an improvement. That's an excellent result to get a draw against Monaco, but you know we'll have to see if they can if they can start winning games. They've not won since they beat Strasbourg on the second of January. Nine games since then, that's just the second point. So I think I, I think to see them anywhere other than in the bottom four at the end of the season, I think is unlikely. Time for the uh, weekly reminder that it is four that go straight down on this uh, unusual Ligue 1 season because only two are coming up. They're changing the number of sides in Ligue 1 next season to. To 18 teams, so there's no playoff match either. At the moment, it's Angers on just 10 points. We're going to have a very brief, well, we've chatted about how badly they're doing. They are equaling, I think it's Brest from 1980, as a, a side with only 10 points after 26 matches. It is a truly shocking season for Le School. But you're going to say something about else there, Robert. With twice as... <laughs> I thought you were going to say another word beginning with SH there, but... <laughs> <laughs> shocking, truly shocking. <laughs> Trois have doubled the points of Angers, but are still in the relegation zone with uh, 20 points. Then Ajaccio, 21, Auxerre, 22. And then out of the relegation zone at the moment on goal difference, because there are some pretty uh, mouth, sort of eye-watering goal differences there in the bottom <laughs> half of, in, the, in that relegation zone as well. Angers, minus 37. Trois minus 21, Ajaxio minus 27, Auxerre minus 26. Above them, Strasbourg and Brest, who are not necessarily with more points, but considerably better goal differences are sitting outside, but, but uh, from 15th to 19th, covered by just three points. So three of those five are going to go down. The question is, who will survive? Nice, 1-1 with Auxerre. Gaten Laborde missed a penalty, but then scored a fantastic diving header. Nice are still unbeaten under Didier Digard. He's no Will Still, but that's now nine Liga matches without defeat for Didier Digard. Gautier huh? got Ajaxio a very precious point. Now, I have heard that that is said Hain or Hein, Hein, but uh, it is how we'd spell the question mark word in French, which is huh? So that's uh, but he has been scoring a couple of very good goals, and Oxair now unbeaten in three with two wins, climbing out of the dot drop zone as we just said on goal difference. Things looking good for them. Toulouse got back to losing ways, unfortunately for them. That's three on the trot now for them against Clermont. Excellent win for Clermont, who climb above them up into eleventh. Just seems about a month ago, Toulouse looked like they were stopping the rot and climbing back up, but Clermont, who were one of the early season. Impressing sides are now trying to climb back into that soft stomach of the league on standings. Strasbourg 
got back to losing ways as well, beaten 1-0 by Brest in what was really the match of fear, a real six-pointer. Huge result for Brest on the road. The Pirates climbing above Strasbourg. And uh, they remain, though, as one of those five looking to avoid joining Angers in Ligue 2 next season. Final result that we're going to look at quickly before turning our attentions to Mr. 201, Kylian Mbappe, Olympic Lyonnais and FC Lorient. A scoreless draw, disappointing for both sides, but pretty much summing up where they both are at at the moment. Certainly Olympic Lyonnais putting all their eggs in the Coupe de France basket. And Lorient, well, I think they have enjoyed their season so far under Lebris, their young coach. And they are now looking to, uh, well, they they don't want to ruin all the good work from the first half of the season. But uh, they are very much sitting in that middle part of the table now. Well, now it is time to uh, chat about Paris Saint-Germain and their big win over FC Nantes. It was uh, another roller coaster ride of it. And to take us through it, it was Matt Spiro on the microphone. Messi. Ruiz now. Space for Nuno Mendes. The cross comes in and Messi scores. Lionel Messi with the opening goal. PSG's first clear chance of the night has been slotted by Lionel Messi. It's his 13th league goal this season. Let's have a look at the build-up. Messi involved. A little bit too much space from a non-perspective there. Nuno Mendes with the cross that was uh, deflected off Santos. Messi gets there ahead of Paolo. PSG off to the perfect start here. Messi. Tackled by Mutusami. No free kick. PSG have still got it. And they're moving ominously closer to the Nantes goal. Nuno Mendes saved and turned it. It's an own goal. And Nantes are in all sorts of trouble here. Paris Saint-Germain with two early quick-fire goals. It's the youngster, Jaouen Hajam, the 19-year-old from Paris, who scores, but unfortunately for him, in the wrong net. It's good build-up play from Paris Saint-Germain. He just sensed that uh, Nantes were were backing off somewhat, fearing this PSG attack. Lafont makes one save, but under pressure, Hajam can only push it with his left knee, I think, into his own goal. Blas. Blas to the byline. Oh, it's got it. Ludovic Blas beating Donnarumma, who was anticipating a cross, and the ball has just squeezed inside that near post. Nantes back in the game, thanks to their number 10, Ludovic Blas. Well, he found uh, some space. Vitinha was beaten a little easily. And Donnarumma, you have to say, is, uh, is at fault there. He's come away from his near post and the ball's been driven in with pace. The Italian not well positioned at all. All credit, though, to Ludovic Blas, who spotted the possibility. What a good shot that was. Former Montpellier player, Florent Mollet, to take. PSG having to defend, and it's dangerous, and not have come from two goals down to level here at the Partey Prince. Ignatius Ganigo, the Cameroonian striker. Well, extraordinary scenes here in the capital. It really did look as though not were dead and buried 20 minutes into this game, but uh, 
It's now level, and Galtier has got a lot of thinking to do. It's a better delivery from Messi. Mbappe. Mbappe's cross, Danilo's header. PSG back in front. Well, the nonce players are complaining to the referee, but Danilo has sprinted away to the corner and he has been congratulated by his teammates. The big Portuguese centre-back with his second goal this season. It's PSG 3, not 2. Moses Simon now for Nantes. Sontans. Sontans, good cutback from him. And the chance for Ganago, who shot flashes just past that near post. Nantes are still in this contest. They are still fighting. Now Pembele's cross. Surely! Kylian Mbappe has done it! In added time, he makes it 4-2. And in so doing, he becomes Paris Saint-Germain's all-time record goalscorer. Absolutely phenomenal. The 24-year-old moves ahead of Edinson Cavani. He has 201 goals for Paris Saint-Germain. And the Parc des Princes rises as one to salute their superstar, the Paris boy, Kylian Mbappe. Andy, there's only one place to start with this one. And as you uh, mentioned briefly at the top of the show, it looked for a long time as though Kylian wasn't going to get his 201st goal. Basically, as we just heard, Paris Saint-Germain leading 2-0, 2-2, and then ran away with it in the second half. Kylian is now the undisputed king of Paris. We already kind of knew it, but uh, let's not talk about the goal itself, which was a, a, a simple one for a player of that stature, but let's talk about the quality and how we've seen him, because you've seen him develop from Monaco, now six seasons at Paris Saint-Germain. How good is this player? Uh, he's, he's quite good, yeah. He's, quite, <laughs> he's decent. I think, um, I, I, I think that, that Mbappe is... Um, well, put it this way: I think Kylian Mbappe is, is is probably the best player in the world now, right? I think that's um, I think we can I think we can say that. Um, I think that what he did at the World Cup in the World Cup final would suggest that. And I know Lionel Messi won the World Cup and all the rest of it, and has just won the FIFA Best Awards ahead of Mbappe. But I think this this is now Mbappe's age, um, and I think that when I said at the beginning that. You know, I don't recall there being this fanfare when Edinson Cavani became the club's top scorer. I think at Paris Saint-Germain there is a realisation that they have to do everything um, to make him feel extra special and that every little thing they do might just persuade him to stick around a little bit longer. Now that, in terms of Mbappe staying at PSG, that's a discussion for another day because he's not going to stay forever. Whether he leaves, you know, this year or next year remains to be seen, but... Obviously, they want him to stay for as long as possible. I think I think it's genuine when Mbappe speaks and he says that you know he you know he said the other night that this means so much to him to be playing in in the capital city of his country, which is his home city, playing for his club, and 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 that that makes it extra special. And I think think there's definitely an element of truth in that. Two hundred and one goals in two hundred and forty seven games is is. I mean, I mean, it's 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 not bad, is it? And Edinson Cavani got there in just under three hundred games, so it's taken Mbappe less time. It's taken him about a year less time um, in terms of you know Cavani was there from twenty thirteen to twenty twenty. Mbappe's taken five and a half years, so uh, he's an extraordinary footballer. And when when he does 
you know, his his goal at the weekend, you're right, it was just another goal. When he does something really special, he is absolutely electrifying. You know, the, uh, there is not another footballer like him. And it's what he's done this season in the World Cup, as well as with PSG, is 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 just him moving to that next level. He's been doing it for years. He scored incredible goals. You know, you, you, you mentioned earlier, we'll get to it, you mentioned, you know, the, the best moments in his career. I was thinking back to when he was at Monaco in 2017 and when he when he scored, I think, what was it, six goals in six games in the knockout rounds of that Champions League when he was just 18 before he went to PSG. He's an unbelievable footballer. And, I, I mean, Lionel Messi scored his 700th club goal of his career last weekend against Marseille, which kind of got overlooked because of what Mbappe did in that game. I mean, how many is Mbappe going to score at this race? <laughs> he, he's... There, there are not really the words to, to describe. He could do better in the air. His heading is not very good. There you go. That's one thing he needs to work on. He's only scored four headers out of 201 goals. So maybe he needs to have a long, long hard think about his, his, his aerial ability. But apart from that, he's, he's pretty good. I remember when I, when I did the interview, when he brought up his hundredth goal and, uh, and I got him to, to repeat and say all the things like, uh, I think it was 47 goals in the first half, 53 in the second half, uh, 74 right foot 29 28 or 26 left foot two headers and he laughed when he said two headers and yeah okay that's something i've got to i've got to improve upon luke his improvement has just been the thing he started down your way at, at monaco but already then we'd known for you know i think it was a 12 year old when when chelsea and real madrid were were already trying to sign him he's incredibly ambitious he's got a great head on his shoulders this season it was like a season of records, and he is driven by that as well. He scored PSG's fastest ever goal after eight seconds. He became the first PSG player to score five goals in a game when he did it, albeit against Cassel in the in in the lower amateur divisions. But still, no one else had done it before. He's the one carving up all the records, and and he he is a machine, but he's also got something very human about him, I think. Yeah, I mean, the way that he broke onto the scene was kind of very in fitting in with how he is as a player as well. You know, it was a proper explosive entrance onto the world scene. He really kind of made himself known straight away. And that's what we kind of how he is as a player. And, you know, all these records go by the wayside on an almost weekly basis. Um, and it's, it's just quite incredible. You know, the ratio at which he's scoring is, is the best in, in the French division, I think, since all, all the Frenchmen since Just Fontaine. Uh, all the way back down in, in the Stade de Hans days in the 60s, so way, way, way back. And, and it's, it's quite incredible what he's doing. Uh, and as I say, it is a weekly basis. Every week there's a different Kylian Mbappe start, how he's broken this, he's broken that. And I think, he, you know, that ambition is something that he has talked about. He said, you know, he wants to be someone who's remembered everywhere he goes, and he'll certainly be remembered at PSG regardless of whether he stays a season or another season. But it, it does feel for me that it's, it's maybe... Maybe one, as, as, as Andy said, for a discussion a, a little bit later down the line. But I do wonder if him breaking this record does maybe precipitate his departure from the Parc des Princes, given that, you know, he'll feel as though, OK, I've made my mark here. Or whether he's motivated by the idea of uh, still winning the Champions League with them, which is, you know, their holy grail almost, isn't it? That's that's what they want. It's what they want every single year. So uh, extremely ambitious. Whether or not that ambition takes him elsewhere, away from PSG soon, is, is the question. But... Um, I think wherever he goes, he'll just continue to break records and, and just, yeah, I think it's not so controversial a statement anymore. I think we've gradually moved past the uh, Messi, Ronaldo, Duopoli, and Mbappe now is is just the best player in the world. So uh, not so controversial a statement anymore. 
Just just a couple of things I just wanted to pick up on very quickly on Mbappe. One is that uh, when, when I was sitting in the stand at the end of the game on Saturday and they, they, they did this presentation on the field, give him a trophy, uh, and then he did kind of a lap of honour of the, of, the, of the stadium. And then he came and he sat down and he spoke to your old colleagues at PSG TV who were, who were pitch side. And, um, and I wasn't really paying attention because I was working, but he, he, and he was kind of repeating what he'd previously said, to be honest, on, 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 on the pitch. But then, then he started speaking in English. And I think it's just, it's just worth highlighting with Mbappe every time that, that for a young man who has always lived in France, um, but he is so articulate in French, but he's also very articulate. He's speaking English, fluent English, very articulate, uh, completely calm, at ease. And I think that's worth highlighting because it's, that's, it's not like he's lived in the UK or, or the US, you know, but he is so at ease speaking in English and, and I know he's the same in Spanish. Um, and, and that's very impressive. And the other thing about Mbappe, which, which is, I think is interesting, is that he is all about electrifying pace. He's a, he's a sensational finisher. And what Christophe Galtier said last week was interesting, that it's not just the pace, admittedly, it's the, it's the speed of execution in which he does things. But there is going to come a point in Mbappe's career, because not yet, a while away, because he's still only 24, but he will eventually have to adapt his game because he's not going to have that level of electrifying pace forever. And it will be interesting to see what he does eventually years down the line to adapt his game a bit like Messi has done. And I'm sure he will do it brilliantly and I'm sure he'll remain a brilliant goal scorer. But I think that's interesting because what we've seen of Mbappe over the last six or seven years is not going to be, Mbappe, he's not always going to be that player. It will not be possible for him to mean to, to, to be like that forever. But, but it's, it's got him here now and um, yeah, if anybody's listening who's not seen him play live, I strongly recommend that you try and do it because the, there are there are a few things. There are moments in games where he is just astonishing. Yeah, it's true, and I and I think Andy, you well, you touch on an interesting point about the the physicality because great footballers and 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 this is something I think that gets occasionally overlooked as well is that almost all famous fantastic footballers are physical phenomenons. You look at even the, the Brazilian Ronaldo, they're the ones that manage to marry incredible physical traits. They are stronger and faster in general than other players and manage to, to marry that with fantastic technique and a football brain. There are, there are rare, and I think they really are rare. I think, I'm trying to think of who's a, a purely cerebral footballer and who, who didn't have physicality. I, the first one I'm thinking is someone like Dennis Bergkamp, but it's probably more that he was just so cerebral. Yeah. He was still physically inc- incredibly impressive as well, but just like a, an intellectual footballer. But, you know, David Ginola, when he left here, was physically a beast. Thierry Henry was all about pace and exploding, just ripping sides apart. These players that made their mark, Didier Drogba, so big and strong, and yet also able to manage it with being a a fantastic footballer. And I don't think Kylian Mbappe, or look at Haaland now at, at, at Manchester City, There's, there, there was a period, there was a train of thought where you'd say, you know, that player's just got speed, just got pace. But it's not the case with the truly elite. I don't think you can just, they will adapt. He will adapt the way he plays the game as he gets older when he's not the fastest player on of, earth. Of course, of course. For yeah, sure. of course. I think I think though, because it's interesting you mentioned Ronaldo because um, Brazilian Ronaldo because I think that's I think Mbappe is there are elements of Ronaldo to his game mm. quite quite big elements of Ronaldo to his game and and I think Thierry Henry obviously there are elements of Thierry Henry to his game 
Um, but he just and Ronaldo obviously is a player who who was you know those of us who you know the nineties just when I was growing up and goodness me what a player he was but he couldn't maintain it right and but Mbappe does have that um, does have that intelligence that yeah he 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 will his his brain is 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 even fast you know his brain is so quick that he will find a way of adapting but yeah for now for now it's just fantastic to to see him play at his best and and for as long as he is in league and playing for PSG I suppose those of us who follow in French football every week we need to try and enjoy it because yeah he might not be here forever. We are going to each name our favourite Kylian Mbappe moment, game, performance, goal, whatever. But Luke, you touched on Champions League, the holy grail for Paris Saint-Germain. Is Kylian Mbappe in the form he is in enough to overturn this uh, 1-0 deficit against Bayern Munich in midweek? Because that's a huge match. It looks like you know, Marquinhos went off injured with uh, some sort of knock to his, to his hip or midriff. Mukiele is out. Hakimi has has a few issues off the pitch as well at the moment. Neymar hasn't played for a couple of weeks. Can can Paris Saint-Germain do it? And the question is, can Kylian Mbappe, after what we saw in that cameo against Bayern Munich and how he changed the game, would Bayern Munich be worried about what's coming to, to Allianz Stadium, Allianz Arena, in a couple of days' time? They'll definitely be worried. Uh, that much I'm, I'm pretty much sure. But... Uh... He does have that capacity to be the one-man show. He has been the one-man show, arguably, for PSG in many of these big games this season. So there's no reason why he can't do it again against Bayern Munich. I'm kind of quite wary of predicting this game because it just feels as though there's a bit of a a destiny, kind of a a narrative that just has to play out, uh, which is that PSG just get knocked out again. It does feel as though we're kind of inching towards a Groundhog Day kind of scenario to me where... You know, we're in March again. They have an early exit from the Champions League. Last year, it was the 9th of March um, against Real Madrid. This year, it could be the 8th. Uh, then you've got a, a manager in Galtier who is sur la salette. You know, he's, he's in the hot seat. Uh, he's maybe slightly ejectable. Um, but they're sauntering towards the league. But it's only one title. And is that enough for PSG? Potentially not. And, you know, if you say at the start of the season that PSG win two titles or two trophies are lifted at the Parc des Princes, you kind of go... Yeah, okay, but if you say that one of those trophies is Ken Mbappe is number 201, then maybe they'll be less happy. So, you know, is Ligue 1 in itself enough? I have my doubts. And I honestly, I, I do think this game tomorrow, uh, on, on Wednesday, sorry, could really go absolutely either way. I'm wary of um, wary of predicting it, but Ken Mbappe could definitely be the decisive factor because, you know, he was so explosive. He completely changed the game when when kept coming on against Bayern Munich in the first leg. So, yeah, they'll be worried about him. Andy, we know Paris Saint-Germain can do it in attack. At the back, can they keep uh, Bayern Munich out? There's no Presnel Kimpembe, of course. He's gone for the season and probably into next season as well with that Achilles. He, he'll he probably be staying at Paris Saint-Germain now if there was any talk that, that he could be leaving after rupturing his Achilles. The, Marquinhos limping out of the game. Is it two at the back? Is it three at the back? Is it five? How do you see it? Well, I think that Galtier um, touched on a got back to the, the the ideal system in the game against Marseille with that with that back five. It was a back five against Marseille, and 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 it was the same idea at the weekend. But it is it is a problem. It's a it's a, the problem of personnel of of numbers of having the the players to, to play that way. I mean, Kimpembe's absence is a blow. Kimpembe's had problems all season, and I do wonder if we'll ever see the same player again. To be honest, Presnel Kimpembe because of what's happened to him. But in the short term, Marquinhos coming off with what looked like, uh, well, I think it was, was, was it the ribs? 
took a knock in the ribs or maybe a side strain. Um, hopefully he'll recover in time because they need him. Nordi Mukiele uh, would be a blow. I think he's actually a very, very useful player for them and um, has experience of playing against Bayern in Munich from his time in the Bundesliga. So they they need to have the numbers. We'll see if, if Ashraf Hakimi is, is able to come back in uh, for, for that match. There, there are lots of problems at the back for PSG and... and you know, when when you touch on the importance of Mbappe in this game, he's 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 almost even more important because I think that Bayern are, are bound to score um, in this game, and so you will need Mbappe at the other end tearing things up, and 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 PSG are going to probably need to score more than once. I think is 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 the reality. But with Mbappe, they can do that. Um, but we'll, we'll see if if defensively they can withstand what Bayern are going to throw at them, and if if just simply if they have the numbers to. Um, to, to to play that way because I think with a five they are they are they are better. I think that's that's that really is the way they were great at the start of the season. They have been you know we've not really talked about it really in the last couple of weeks because they've been fine again. You know but previously they were on this bad run and we were talking about why they're on this bad run. Now they're doing much better and and they're playing they've been playing with a back five again. So it's 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 important. But yeah, Mbappe, Mbappe is the key. Mbappe is the key. Of course he is. Mbappe is the key to everything. Luke, your favorite. Killian Mbappe moment. And uh, look, just because you live down that way, I'll open it up and give you a couple of extra years. But for Andy and I, it's PSG, favourite PSG moments uh, of Killian Mbappe and to celebrate his 201 goals. But if you want, if you want to go something from pre-PSG in uh, red and white, you, you have that liberty. I mean, um, lifting the title was special, but not necessarily an on-pitch moment. But I will keep it to PSG because I think he's had so many moments. You've got so many to pick from. And obviously in blue as well for for France as well. I mean the the Argentina World Cup final, even though it didn't turn in their in their sense, you know it, it's it's still you know an incredible moment for for him on a personal level to to get that brace. Uh, but I'm actually going to go for last season and against Real Madrid. That's one that kind of lingers long in the memory in the first leg at the Bernabeu. Uh, just a really really clutch Mbappe moment, breaking through those two defenders and then putting it in the far corners. It's not the first time that we've seen Mbappe just take a game and just change it, but it just felt, it was so late in the game, it's the 93rd, 94th minute, and it was just so clutch killing Mbappe, and it's really what we've we've become to know him for a little bit, these kind of moments right at the end of the games, in big, big games, and just turning it, and um, it felt as though he'd single-handedly kind of turned, I don't know, PSG into this huge European side who turn up on big European moments, ultimately it didn't, tra- it didn't transpire that way, but it felt as though he had single-handedly kind of changed the nature of this club in that one moment in time. And another one off the pitch, I loved his um, extension uh, kind of press conference last year in the summer, a few iconic moments from that, but the kind of change in, vo- you know, change in voice when he goes, you know, le football, il a changé, was uh, a great moment that is, is kind of relived on social media on, on, all the, on an almost daily basis, but uh, just such a mature kind of press conference that was, not it really showed, um, you know, he was 23 at the time. He, he could have been 33, honestly. So, so, so mature. And I think that kind of opened it up to the world and, and everyone saw kind of maybe for the first time that, wow, you know, this guy's a, a really eloquent, uh, very, very mature player as well as an incredible physical and technical specimen. I remember his press conference at the Trophée des Champions. It must be 2019 because it was after... That uh, awards, the last time anyone had heard him speak was the awards night where he'd asked um, for more responsibility from, from, from at the club and everywhere and that things had to change at, at PSG. And, and no one heard anything from him for, for two and a half months. And then at the Trophée des Champions, 
he uh, uh, uh was it in china i think it might have been in china he he came out and he gave the pre-match press conference and he just had a whole room of journalists just eating out of the palm of his hand giving them headlines giving them just what that and dictating the whole narrative himself it was a it was a very impressive and to see and he was so young then he must have been maybe 20 it was it was incredible andy over to you overall with mbappe the the the, the most striking moment is was was the final in, in doha because you know he's scored a hat trick in the world cup final which was only only one player had ever done previously and um you know the the, the equalizing goal uh, the, to make it 2-2 Everything about, I mean, it was an astonishing goal in itself and just the context. I mean, my jaw fell to the floor in the stadium when that happened. That was that was, that was was just something else. In a PSG shirt, I think possibly, I think back to the, 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 the main COVID season when 2020-21, when all football was being played behind closed doors. And I think back to, he scored an amazing goal in the counter-attack against Marseille. Which this is what I mean about Mbappe being electrifying. Look it up. I think it was February 2021, an incredible goal, uh, and I think it was around about the same time that he scored that hat trick against Barcelona at the Camp Nou in the in the Champions League. And he scored one of his goals in that game in particular was 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 sublime. The problem with these two games and that season was that it was all being played in an empty stadium, and it was really unfortunate. You know, it would have been something else if he'd done done those if he'd achieved those two feats in a packed velodrome and, and a packed Camp Nou, but. You know, he he that that was an example of Mbappe delivering in two really huge matches. You know, and this is the thing: there are lots of players who score lots and lots and lots and lots of goals, but might be flat track bullies. But he does it in the biggest games. And there's there's three examples: one in a French shirt, and two in a PSG shirt of him doing it in in just the biggest matches. So, you know, he, he, there are so many examples we could choose. You, I think you mentioned the the 14 minute quadruple against Leon. That's a game that I, I missed. I can't remember where I was. It wasn't at that game. I'm Otherwise, about to mention it, Andy. Yeah. I haven't mentioned well, it yet. Well, I'll let, I'll let you talk about the... <laughs> sorry, I'll let you talk about the um, the experience of being there when that happened because we, there, I mean, how long have we got? We could we could mention so many more, but there, there, there's a few for you. Absolutely. I think, and, and just on the theme that you've both basically mentioned with the Real Madrid um, goals, with the, the, the Barcelona goals or the, the Marseille goals, when when it was clutch, when it when it had to happen... There was also Bayern Munich in the snow the year, the season after losing the final. And Paris Saint-Germain raced into a 2-0 lead. Bayern Munich came back 2-2. And it just looked as though Paris would get overrun. And with one chance in the second half, Killian did exactly that. To, to, to win the game, to lift his side back up when the chips were down and to, to make it 3-2 with, with a... What I liked particularly about that goal against Bayern Munich was the way he did it with a clinicalness where you can see he he now has so many strings to his bow. He can curl it far far corner like he did in the, the, the 4-1 win over Barcelona. But this Bayern Munich one, he clamped down on it. He put it through the defender's legs near post. I mean, it was... It was Neuer was beaten, all ends up, everyone was beaten up. He dummied till the defender opened his legs. He knew what he wanted to do. He put it straight in the, the place where it was unstoppable. And he's done it time and time again since then. There was the 13-minute quadruple um, against Olympic Lyonnais, which I think is spectacular. But another thing I like, which I think talks about the player and the mentality, was when he was watching the Classico down in Marseille in the hotel room, Barcelona versus Real Madrid, and was late 
to the team talk, the causerie, as they, they call it in French. He and Adrian Rabiot rocked up late, and Thomas Tuchel said, okay, well, you're not starting now, and this was not planned. And Paris Saint-Germain playing the classique in, in Marseille, I think he comes on about the 60th minute, 67th minute goal, and he was so worked up and so disappointed. I think I, we spoke to him afterwards, and he, and he was kept his kept his his face up and said you know basically you know save face and i have to learn i have to improve but you could see he was so angry with himself with the coach with the world and he just went out there and and destroyed marseille himself in that second half and that's that's what he can do and that's the sign of a player that when when they have this mental force that they can change a game on their own killian mbappe has it in spades. He's 24. Um, and I think we all agree he is the best striker in world football and probably the best player in the world at the moment. And he plays for Paris Saint-Germain. You're listening to Andy Scott and Luke Entwistle and myself, Robbie Thompson. You're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. Like us on your podcast platforms. Follow us. Recommend us. Share us with your friends. Get involved in the conversation on Twitter at League 1 underscore English or underscore E-N-G for English. We're on League1.com and the YouTube channel League 1 official as well. Now it's time for our Deja Who to win a mystery League 1 shirt. This month of March we'll be announcing it just before well, maybe just after the international break, I think, because I came up with a, a few more players that fitted the bill. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with our March theme. So if you know the answer and you want to win a League 1 shirt, send us an email to league1podcast at gmail.com. You have to answer, find out who I am, and answer the bonus question. So here we go. Deja vu. Who am I? Over the course of a nomadic career that is still going and that has seen me win the Ligue 1 title, the Syria Championship, and the FA Cup. I have played with Sylvain Armand and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, João Moutinho and Bernardo Silva, Eden Hazard and Gonzalo Higuain, Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann, Mike Mignon and Gianluigi Donnarumma, but I never played with Thomas Meunier, Thiago Silva, Sergio Busquets, or Cristiano Ronaldo. Who am I? And what famous goal did I score against Manchester City? So there you go. You'll have to uh, listen to that a few times. Check out the links. Try and find the club or the nationality if uh, you think you can. Andy, eyes to the sky. Tough one, huh? I think it's tough. Yeah. Luke? I thought I had it at the second clue, and then it got snatched away from me brutally in the third clue. Yeah, not too sure. <laughs> All right. If you think you know who it is, or as producer Stephen says, if you are part of the Dunning-Kruger set, send your answers via email to league1podcast at gmail.com to go into the draw to have your chance to win a Ligue 1 shirt at the end of this month. 
Okay, we're just about done, guys. It's time to look ahead to round 27. We have some big matches coming up with Lot on the line. It all starts with Lil versus Leon, Oxair versus Ren, Brest uh, looking to try and put the brakes on Paris Saint-Germain. That result could depend heavily on what happens in midweek for the Parisians against Bayern Munich. Clermont entertain Lens, Ajaxio against Montpellier, Angers against Toulouse, Lorient, Troyes, Nantes, Nice, Monaco, Reims, and Marseille versus Strasbourg. Time to go on a bon voyage. Luke, where are you headed? I'll stay local. I'll just keep it. Monaco, Reims, don't go too far down the coast and then see if I can maybe leg it down the Mediterranean coastline to get towards uh, Marseille-Strasbourg in the evening, which obviously has huge ramifications for, for both clubs. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important game, actually. And, and it, I think it could actually go out of the way. I think there's a room for an upset there in that match. Massive match there at the Stade Velodrome. But also Monaco-Rance, if Rance can keep it going, Will Stills, just the most remarkable story just about in world football. At the moment, Andy, what about you? I was going to say that I think I think Luke might need the the, the famous helicopter, which at least used to go between Monaco and Nice uh, for a reasonable price. Might need that to take him to Marseille. He's going to get there in time time for kickoff. I, I was at the Marseille Strasbourg game on the last night of last season when they scored um, very late on and, and snatched second place from Monaco because Monaco conceded at the same time. That was pretty special. Um, that was helped by the fact that it was in May and people were. People were streaming to the stadium, having been at the beach all day and stuff, and there was, there was a certain atmosphere about that. I'm not quite sure it's going to be the same this weekend. Um, I, I might go to Lille on Friday for the game against Lyon because um, it's two teams who are not quite where they want to be at the moment. I think Lille want to be in those European places, so they need the result. They're unbeaten at home since August. They play. I said this plenty of times on this on this podcast. They play really good football under Paulo Fonseca. Uh, who will be back from a one a one match suspension for that game and a Leon team who just haven't got going um, this season and I didn't watch the game against Lorient yesterday I chose to watch Liverpool against Man United at the same time I think I made the right decision in the end because Leon once again um, were very disappointing a nil nil draw obviously they they need they need Lacazette to be there and to be scoring the goals for them to stand a chance but. That's a game they need to win because they are they are still nowhere near where they want to be. So that's that's where I want to be on Friday, Lille against Lyon, and then I've got the weekend to to do something else. Fantastic. <laughs> well, as a as a as a good Australian, I'm going to check out Lorient versus Troyes because uh, I just think Lorient they're in that uh, soft stomach of Ligue 1 <laughs> as well, as we've said several times today, and I just get the feeling that uh, Troyes it's now or never, and and surely as uh, Andy said, Patrick Kisnorbo, the pressure must be on him part of from the from the city group amongst others they want to have their project playing in Ligue 1 next season as well and uh, I'm pretty confident he can turn it around don't forget you can check out all the highlights on YouTube the Ligue 1 official website and also Ligue1.com where all the video highlights are as well we'll be back next week Ian Holyman will be back to talk everything title race European football relegation threats and uh, post-mortem of Paris Saint-Germain's European campaign, perhaps, or perhaps just uh, a preview to what's going to happen in the quarterfinals. It's all getting very real for PSG this season in the last 16 away to Bayern Munich on Wednesday night. There'll be another Deja Vu quiz, of course, with your chance to win the Ligue 1 jersey. 
more of that and everything else on Le Beaujeu, the official League Game podcast. Andy Scott, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure, Robbie. Thank you. And you too, Luke. Great to have you on board. Thank you very much. A pleasure. We'll see you all again next week. Au revoir. This time, maybe Messi's done it.